Amen. Thanks, man. Thank you, worship team. Man, that was amazing. Uh, anyone here for the first time tonight? Any first timers? Hey! <laughs> some familiar faces and some new ones. And we've got some, some familiar faces visiting us tonight as well. Um, I, I know n- not all of you have been week in and week out as well, so um, obviously as, as, we, as we're going through series, there'll be things that we don't want to repeat and you know, you, you, you'll be landing in the middle of something if you haven't been here for the last few weeks. Um, but hopefully... Um, all our sermons will at least be coherent in themselves. Um, so, um, Matt, Matt shared a little bit um, at the beginning of the service for what I f- feel the Lord's taking us into. Um, and um, I'm kind of excited and kind of nervous at the same time. Okay. So, um, but I think that's a good thing. And hopefully you will too. Uh, by the end of the sermon. Um, so I, I, I've said it recently that, um, you know, and we've had a series on, on being friends with God, and, and we still, that's still the theme that's running through what we're talking about. Okay, don't, don't lose sight of that. Um, everything that we're doing over these next few months is, is about positioning us to be friends with God, to teaching us more and more what it means to be friends with God. Um, and um, as I was preparing for tonight, I felt the Lord saying to remind my children, remind my children that I'm available, that I'm here, that I'm accessible, that I'm waiting. And um, I, I, you know, I, f- I felt him asking us to, to give him our heart. Okay, I don't know if this might sound cliched, okay? But he's wanting us to give him, his, to give him our hearts. And that, um, that's a, that might sound like a cliche, but it's actually one of the more challenging things that we can ever do because it requires us to be vulnerable. Um, and I've, I've been thinking about holiness, and that's the word that keeps coming back to me, holiness. And I started teaching, you know, about, I talked a little bit about sin um, two weeks ago, and I felt really heavy until I started speaking about Matson, and then everyone really enjoyed that. Um, and we'll go there again if we have to. Um, the list is long. But um, whew, I, I, I just feel the Lord saying, you know, he's looking at our hearts, and, and, he's, and you know, the scripture says that he stands at the door and he knocks. Will we, will we open it? Will we let him in? And I just sense him saying, I, you know, I want to knock on this part of your heart. I want to knock on this door, this, this bit of protection, this wall that you've put up around your heart. That's actually stopping me knowing you fully and stopping you knowing me fully. Um, so sometimes at Kingdom Life, we talk about strongholds, these places that the enemy has a sort of grip on our lives because of past sin or things that have happened to us. That's one of the labels that we sometimes use. Um, we can just talk about sin. You know, sin obviously can cut us off from Jesus. That's the reality of sin. Um, but I, I just felt the Lord saying over these next few weeks that we, we're to press into some things that I think a lot of us will have experienced. Okay, so these might not be things that we necessarily walk in, but there may be things where we have suffered. Okay, so, um, for example, I, I want to I talk about control, what it means to have a controlling spirit. Now, you might not have a controlling spirit, but you might sure have been affected by someone with a controlling spirit. 
um, a father, someone in authority, a teacher, a friend. Um, so there are just these areas that I think, think the Lord wants us to go through and say, okay, will you be vulnerable? So this will take a little bit of courage on our part because we, um, we're going to be real, okay? Um, and um, let's see where he takes us. Because, um, you know, the Lord says, I'm here, I'm, a, I'm accessible, and I'm available, and I'm phrase this carefully, so f- forgive the, the term, but, but I just felt it's like, what, um, what is your but to that statement? Okay, one T, people. What, just in case of my accent, what, what is your but? You know, um, I know Jesus made the way to the Father, but... I believe he wants intimacy with me, but I know that he died for my sin, but I want to know him as friend, but these, these things that we carry that, um, that stop us really diving into friendship with him. So yeah, we're going to go after a few of these things, a few of these, um, but, um, pardon the expression, but we're going to go after them and to see where we get to. <laughs> So, um, so as, as I said, I really felt the Lord saying you need to speak on holiness, and um, this this was a this was a challenging topic in itself. And I, I went to the Bible, and obviously there's a lot about holiness in the Bible, and 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 the Bible is is powerful. The Word of God is powerful, and I, I don't doubt that I could have read those scriptures, and it would have had an impact, because the Word of God is powerful. But um, I was praying, and I was praying, and I was praying, and I was and I was. I wasn't getting anything about how to, where the focus was to be. And re- really what the Lord wanted me to say through these scriptures. Um, so I went to my, I went to my um, wife last night. Um, and of course the Holy Spirit in his wisdom decided not to speak to me directly, but to speak to me through my wife. Um, you know, a truly humbling <laughs> process. Um, not the first time that he's done it, and no doubt not the last. Um, I'm not saying, you know, Kath, I'm not hearing anything. He's not speaking to me. And she said, you can't talk about holiness if you're not free of the religious spirit. And I heard it in your voice when you're speaking to Grace this afternoon. Yeah, ouch, hey? There I am, the perfect father, just, just failing. So, um, <laughs> so I got, I got instruction, I got rebuke, I got correction in the space of one sentence. <laughs> and um, obviously, as a man, I pushed back just because I thought that was necessary, knowing she was right all along. Uh, and then she left the room. And um, wisdom, again, yeah. And, um, yeah and, then, and then I just started to laugh because, you know, it just made so much sense. And suddenly the sort of the deafness that I was hearing, um, the lack of anything. It's like, okay, Lord, you're just wanting me to realize. I'm not sure why you left it to this moment, but I needed to hear this. Because I, I was concerned that if I, if, I, if I speak about sin, if I talk about things where, you know, where, 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 where we do have things wrong in our lives, that if we, if we are living under a religious spirit in any way, whatsoever, then we're going to be drawn into judgment. And we're going to be drawn into legalism. And that always leads to shame. And ultimately leads to bondage. And so I might get to holiness tonight. I, I might not. I don't know. Uh, but the first thing the Lord said is speak about religious spirit. 
So I said, all right, I'll do that. And maybe we'll get to holiness. If not, I'll just talk about it next week. Um, we've got time. So if we pursue holiness and we're under the religious spirit, the religious spirit will draw us into law, will draw us into judgment, will draw us into shame. Jesus obviously wants to draw us into grace and into intimacy. That's where holiness is supposed to come from. Um, now, the, 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 the idea of religious spirit is a, is a, is a term that, that friends of mine use that I've been using for a couple of years. Um, it's not specifically said in Scripture, but we infer it from many encounters that Jesus had, particularly with the Pharisees and the, and the, and the disciples had with the Pharisees and Sadducees. Um, Paul, when he writes to Timothy, he says to be wary of those who pursue a form of religion that has no power. And it's a really interesting statement because he's, he's got this whole long list of things, of people who are doing pretty bad things, you know, some pretty bad sin. And then at the end he says, and be careful of those who practice religion like a form without power, without power, without Jesus, without Jesus' transformation, without the Holy Spirit moving and changing people's lives and healing people. Form. Um, turn to um, John, please, John 9. Um, it's a story that we know well. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But this, um, this scripture probably il illustrates this religious spirit more than any other. And it's the story, it's a story of a healing, of Jesus healing the man born blind. Okay, and I'm going to pick it up from verse 13 and and. I, and just, we're going to read from 13 to the end. L listen to the voice of religion. And listen to the voice of Jesus. So picking up at verse 13. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, he is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, is this your son? who you say was born blind. How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son, that's good, and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? <laughs> they just keep asking the same question. He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? 
and they reviled him. It's a strong word. They reviled him saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why? This is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into the world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. That's a powerful story. <laughs> the contradiction or the, the tension between the voice of the man that, who actually believes and the Pharisees is astounding. And then the first thing to note, obviously, is that they, they deny that Jesus is from God. They say that this man is not representative of God. These are the leaders. These are the men who know the Scriptures. These are the men of all men who should be able to recognize Jesus. And yet, they can't. They are blinded by a religious spirit. And we obviously, we see this today. You know, if... If these men who knew the scriptures so well could push away even Jesus, we shouldn't be surprised when there are churches who push away the things of the Spirit. Remove people from churches. You see here that the religious spirit tries to intimidate and oppress. This man who's received this incredible miracle, all they can do is call him a sinner and cast him out because he doesn't fit their theology. They scare his parents into not being willing to engage because they would be removed from the synagogue and cut off from the temple. And that basically is the religious spirit's strategy still today. Um, you know, sometimes this is, this is kind of ridiculous. You know, it's small things. Um, you know, do you ever feel that sort of intimidating voice, you know, when you want to raise your hand in worship? You know, from the mundane. Oh, should I? Should I raise it halfway? Should I raise it one? What do people think? Should I raise two? Should I tilt my hands? You know, we go, we go through these really bizarre thought processes. Why? When we just worship in God, should that even be a consideration in our minds that we should just be free to worship Him? The religious spirit loves to feed on this fear of man and what will people think if I do this? What will people think if I'm passionate about Jesus? What will people think if I press in for more of Him? How many times have you heard that lie, if I, if I press into Jesus, if I press in for more, I'm going to be disappointed. It's all going to be for nothing. The religious spirit's aim is to stop us encountering Jesus. 
And the religious spirit is obviously offended at the power of Jesus. And this is not the only story where we see this, where Jesus is healing of people, sometimes on the Sabbath, deliberately to expose their hearts. But he looks at the Pharisees and he sees their hearts and he heals to stir them. And they are offended at his power. Elsewhere in Scripture, we're told that they are jealous of his power. And still today, I hear of people being kicked out of churches when they display the power of Jesus. I love the story, going back a couple of hundred years, during the Reformation, there's this chap called Lineker. Sorry, this is a political scientist in me speaking. Um, a guy called Lineker, um, writing during the Reformation, and for the first time in his life, as, a, as, a, as an older man, he's given the Gospels to read in his own language. For the first time, he is not receiving Scripture through someone else's lens. And he says, <laughs> he's reputed to have said as he read them, either these are not the Gospels, or we are not Christians. We are not Christians. He was in a, a structure. The religious spirit loves to build structures, man-made structures that give men power and men authority and men control. But don't introduce people to Jesus. Don't see Jesus' power moving. I love it in the scripture, and it's a slightly confusing way that Jesus talks about it, but at the very end, you know, the religious spirit loves to condemn us because of our sin and judges us, makes us feel that shame. And yet Jesus points out to the Pharisees that because you think you see, you're the one who will not be saved. It's those that are blind, those that are still in their sin, those that won't play your game, those are the ones I've actually come to save. It's the ones in sin that will be saved, not the ones like you who think that they are becoming holy. Judgment leads ultimately to death. The religious spirit loves to pretend that we're becoming more holy, and this is one of its most devious things. Like if you just don't sin, you'll become more holy. And there's truth to that. Obviously, you don't sin. It's a bad idea. But this idea for the religious spirit is you can become more holy if you just don't sin, if you just make it about works, if you just be a better Christian. And Jesus tells the, the parable in Luke, um, was it Luke 18 about the, the Pharisee and the tax collector. You know, the man who says, you praises God, thanks God that he isn't a sinner. And then you've got this man who's so bowed by his sin that he can't even look up at heaven. He's so conscious of his sin. And, and Jesus says, that's the man who leaves justified. That's the man who is sanctified by my blood. And there's only one who is holy. And that is God. That is the Father. That is the Son. And that is Jesus. The only others who will ever be holy are those who are sanctified. Because it is sanctification that leads to holiness. And that is everyone who experiences the forgiveness of Jesus, who walks in relationship with him. The religious spirit wants us to try and perfect ourselves. Now, we might be, um, we might be tempted to think, well, you know, the religious spirit, this is something about the Pharisees, or this is about certain denominations. And the truth is, you know, I see the religious spirit in every denomination. Every denomination has the temptation. Every expression of Christianity has the temptation to, to make it about form. 
to make it about structure, to lose the way. You know, I've, I've, I've told a few months ago the story of Bill and I meeting a, a very senior member of, of, a, of a, one of the largest charismatic denominations in the, in the world. And this man had developed a theology for God not doing miracles in the Western world. Because um, we had doctors. We didn't need God to move powerfully. He had created a theology, a structure of his own. It was, it was, so, it was just like talking to a religious spirit. It was so frightening and sad. And the religious spirit is so subtle, you know. Um, just like my wife told me off, you know, I it's something I try not to do. But, you know, it slips in. It slips in that way of thinking, that way of wanting to control, the way of trying to dominate someone. We're telling someone off, not in grace, but in judgment. Um, there's, you know, a few weeks ago I, I talked about Peter and the incredible witness that Peter gives us when he goes to see the Roman centurion. When, and, you know, he has that vision and God sends him. And God says, do not call unclean what I call clean. And Peter is amazed when he goes there and the Holy Spirit falls and the Gentiles are welcomed into the church. So this is an amazing moment. And he then goes on to defend what the Holy Spirit is doing later in Acts when the council meets in Jerusalem. Like this is the Holy Spirit's will. We can't oppose it. But then you read a few chapters later in Acts that Paul is rebuking Peter because Peter won't sit and eat with the Gentile believers because of what the Jews will think, the Jewish believers will think. He slips into that religious mindset. He slips into fear of man. He doesn't honor the spirit, and Paul has to hold him to account. When I first um, encountered the religious spirit through this church in um, London, through a church in Tacoma, they give you these worksheets, okay? Four pages. Look at this, okay? Four pages of tiny little lines, okay? I need my glasses to read these, of little checklists, Okay, because when I first heard about the, Holy, the, the religious spirit, you think, well, I have the religious spirit. I'm super religious. You know, this is a good thing. Um, <laughs> and then you led. So, um, so what, what these guys, um, what they experienced was the Holy Spirit started to move in people's lives. And he, and he started to tear down strongholds, ways of thinking in people's lives that weren't right. And so they would have times of ministry and the Holy Spirit you know, like we have a frontier, and the Holy Spirit would say something, like, you're thinking this, and this isn't good. You're thinking this, and this isn't good. And they would, they would write these things down. So every one of these things on this piece of paper comes out of a prayer meeting, out of a prayer sign with the Holy Spirit saying, this isn't what I want of you. Um, and, you know, maybe we'll hand these out, um, and we can run through them. But I tell you rather embarrassingly that the first time I did this, I checked all but, I think, three of these things. Yeah, it kind of does. Yeah. And that was frightening because then you have to go and pray through every single one. Do you have any idea how long that took me? <laughs> Goodness. Lord, I repent of this. And you, got, you literally repent of every single one. It's, it's a spiritual enema and, it's, and it cleanses you because it, it goes into the subtlety of the lies and, and that the, the, the religious spirit, the, the subtlety of the infection. Um, and it's, and there's, some, there's some things that you'll recognize, like, wow, I'm so glad that's not me. Um, and that's always a risky thing if you get there. Um, but there's some things which are to do with holiness. You know, when you actually, when you think that you're on the right path and pride starts to step in, and you think, wow, I've done that before. That's bad. 
And I was pleased to say about a year later, I did this again, and half the checks had disappeared. And that was good. And a few years later, I only had maybe three or four that I checked. But it's important for me to keep looking at this and saying, wow, am I slipping into these things? Am I slipping into the subtlety? Um, because unfortunately, we, we live in an environment where the religious bird is strong. Um, we live in an amazing environment with wonderful things and wonderful people, but unfortunately the religious spirit is strong because it's very easy for us to have form without power here. It's very easy for us to practice the things of God and not actually experience Him. And I want us to take this really seriously. Um, if we don't already, maybe we do already, but um, there's, you know, there's two things, there's two other occasions where, where, where Jesus really goes after this. Um, and He has that wonderful List, wonderful, it's the wrong word, scary, um, list of woes that he speaks against the Pharisees. Um, you know, one of those woes is that they are whitewashed tombs. Okay, they have this veneer of perfection, a veneer of holiness, but inside they are dead. There is no life. And remember, Jesus said, beware the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Beware even the smallest amount that can infiltrate and taint and affect the entire batch. He calls them whitewashed tombs. He also says, and probably the scariest one of all, he says to them that when they make a disciple of someone, they make him twice a son of hell than they are. Twice the son of hell. That the religious spirit, this, this um, veneer of holiness, this legalism leads to hell. So don't take this lightly. Jesus didn't. Jesus did not take religious form. He did not take religious spirit. He did not take this veneer of holiness lightly. So some of these things we're going to go into later in the next few weeks. Um, but the religious spirit, I've said some of these already, but it feeds on shame, it feeds on guilt, it feeds on legalism. It manifests in fear of man, it manifests in religious pride. That's the hardest one to break. It manifests in the way that we judge others in insincerity, in fake holiness, when we lack vulnerability, when we don't see transforming power of Jesus in our lives. Um, and really, the the question that we have to ask ourselves there's two questions, and they're really quite simple. Um, the kind of antidote to the religious spirit is um, the things that you do, the religious things that you do. Do you encounter Jesus? Do you encounter Him? That's a pretty easy question. Do you, do you encounter him when you worship? Do you encounter him when you read your Bibles? Do you encounter him when you have conversations with friends? Or is there a veneer that covers the things that we do? And the second thing is, and obviously these are really simple, so are you seeing the fruit of the Spirit? Are you seeing the fruit of the Spirit and the things that you do? So, you know, if, if you're in a guy's dorm at Taylor and you're getting together with friends and you're reading Scripture and you're talking, do you see fruit develop? If you do, that's awesome because then there's transformation and Jesus is there. Do you get together just so you can feel holy? Just so you can feel, well, I've read my Bible. I'm being a good Christian. 
then we veer towards legalism. And the religious spirit wants us to be dependent on legalism. But we're obviously designed to live in harmony with the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.1 says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. So I'm definitely not going to get to all the things I want to say about holiness tonight. Okay. Let me finish with one or two little things, and then we're going to pray. Um, like, I, I could give you this list. It will take us 30 minutes to get through. Okay. If, if as we pray at the end, like you say, this is something I really want to press into. I want to, I want to go deep on this. Then come and see me. Okay. Or talk to one of the leaders, and we'll, I'll get you this list. It's painful fun. Okay. Painful fun. You feel good at the end? Hard during the middle, okay? Um, but um, I, in, in the first few years that I was, I was here in, in, this, in this area, I, I was speaking to a local pastor who's not from this area. And he, he moved here from, from a very distant state. And, and he talked about how he was wrestling with the history of holiness in this area. He said, you know, if holiness is true and good, and there are people who are righteous before God and living good lives, that's an amazing thing. But the problem is that the, this culture of holiness prevents anyone admitting to sin. Because we're supposed to be becoming more and more holy, and particularly in the older generations. Because we're really the ones who are supposed to have it together. You guys might be messing up still, but, you know, I'm supposed to have it together. You know what I'm saying? And, and he, he said to me, he in, in one of the first months that he was at his church, he took a pretty brave step, actually. And he called the men of the church together, young and old. And he said, we're going to talk about sexual sin. We're going to talk about addiction to pornography. We're going to talk about lust. We're going to go after this. And you know what he found? He got dozens and dozens of men in the room. And not a single one of them had a problem with sexual sin. It was the most holy room he had ever been in. If you just took their response. But then he said, day after day after day, for the next few weeks, men would come up to him and say, thank you so much for doing that. I'm so sorry I couldn't say anything. I can't admit the sin. And his church is full of men who struggle. But they can't get free because they're so busy trying to live up to this religious holiness, that they can't actually go to someone and confess their sin and receive healing and be free. And it breaks my heart because that's what the religious spirit does. It, try, it, it holds us in bondage. It holds us in bondage. And it puts this wall between us and Christ. And he's banging on that door and he's saying, let me in. Um, <laughs> he's saying, let me in. I'm going to talk more about holiness next week, okay, because I really want us to have time to pray tonight. But holiness this is where we're going to get to. Holiness, ultimately, God is holy. God is sinless. He is the one true holy one in the universe. Okay, but holiness is not, Bill might correct me, but he's not in the room, so I might get away with this, Okay. Holiness is not found, it's not in the absence of sin. Okay? It's not in your ability, it's not in my ability to not sin. Holiness is found 
in recognizing Jesus as the source of our sanctification and living in intimacy with him. And as I say that, given most of us go to Taylor or Iowa or we teach there or we've been there or we live in communities or we've been Christians all our lives, most of us hear that and we say absolutely 100% that's true. But I ask us to be honest and say how much, how much do we actually live like that is true? That Jesus is the source of our sanctification. So I'll finish with this. As we press into these issues over the next few weeks, it does require vulnerability, okay? But we're not gonna go after sins and strongholds for the sake of nasal gazing. Navel gazing? Navel gazing, that's the, that's the phrase, yeah. Um, when I had my original design prayer, it was, it was crazy, crazy time of meeting Jesus. People talk about these power encounters with Jesus, and sometimes it can be, well, really intense. People get knocked over. People feel like electricity going through their body. Sometimes we experience this love very deeply. There are all sorts of ways we experience them. For me, it was love. It was head-to-foot soaking love, sobbing, amazing experience of his love. And then in this prayer, he told me some of the things, the way he, had, he sees me, and the, the, the man he wants me to become. After that moment, sin did not come. Sin, sin was no longer about trying not to be punished, trying to be right with God. Beating sin became, I'm going to do anything I can to be close to the one whose love I've just experienced. And it completely altered my view of sin. So going off to strongholds, going off to sin, seeking freedom is about just getting closer to him, getting closer to Jesus. And as my wife said to me earlier today, there's, I'm, yeah, when we are physically here, healed, it's amazingly powerful. Being set free is just as powerful in terms of you know, stirring us to preach the gospel. When you are freed of anxiety, and you see what God can do, it makes you want to pray for your friend who has anxiety. When you're bound in shame and you experience God's love and you realize that you're shameless before him, that you're free, you have something to take the person next to you who carries shame and bring their freedom. Now, being set free gets you closer to Jesus and makes, you into, makes me into a far better disciple and a far better ambassador of his kingdom. So can we pray? And I'm actually going to ask you to sit. I know it's weird, but sit, okay? Matt's going to come up as well and help me. Yes, yes. okay. So um, I haven't gone to these checklists, these long checklists of the religious spirit, okay? But um, I want us just to close our eyes, and we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come. And this might be something that you have an enormous amount of freedom in. Freedom in. Okay, my wife, when she did this checklist at the same conference, she checked Oh, four or five of these things? It was embarrassing, okay? Why? She didn't grow up in the church. It's amazing what she didn't pick up when she met Jesus as an older teenager, as a young adult. It was embarrassing for me, great for her. So you might have a lot of freedom in this, okay? But you, you, this also might be something where you struggle. But, so we're just going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to come and speak to us. Um, if he speaks to you personally, if he says, you know, this is thing you've been believing, then just hold on to it, okay, and we're going to pray. And Matt and I are going to listen just for things corporately that we want to pray about as a, as a family here at Kingdom Life.
Okay. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we, well, you're here already, Lord, and we thank you for that. We thank you, Jesus, that you are here. And Lord, we don't, um, we don't have to beg you to <laughs> help us take on the religious spirit, Lord, because we, we see how much you detest it. You hate things that shut us off from you. So, Lord, I ask you now, by your spirit, would you come and speak to us? Lord, to speak to us each individually. Um, is this some part of our, our, our life with you, Lord, that's been tainted by form, by religious form, by fear of man, by shame because we, we sin. We're not as holy as we think we should be. We condemn ourselves. All of these things, Lord, I just, I just pray that you speak now. What I said earlier about um, not pressing into Jesus as much as, um, as we can. Um, what is the, where we allow ourselves to be satisfied with the lukewarm faith. Um, and this, this, this can be, this can come out of passive, passivity, that we just allowed ourselves to be passive, that we allowed ourselves to be subdued by this religion around us, where we can just do the basics, but we're not actually seeking Jesus. But it can also, it can also be, uh, it also, can also come through disappointment, or that fear of disappointment, that, oh, Lord, if we present you, are you going to turn up? Are we actually going to find you? And Jesus is faithful. He will respond. He will respond to our prayers. So I'll just pray with me. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for the times, Lord, the seasons where I've allowed my faith to be lukewarm. Lord, where I'm I've always been your child, the Lord. I've always known that you're my savior, but I haven't, I haven't run towards you. I've been satisfied with the, with the easy and the obvious and the mundane. Lord, I don't want to be under the influence of the religious spirit or that would make my faith with you weak. That it will be about form and not have your power, your transforming power and your presence in my life. Forgive me, Lord, for passivity. Forgive me for fearing that you would disappoint. Now receive your forgiveness, Jesus. Lord, in the power and authority of your name, I say no to the religious spirit and to the religious form. In the ways that it's manifested in my life. Jesus, I want authentic, authentic, intimate relationship and friendship with you. And Jesus, this is your great delight. This is your gift that you give to your children. 
I'm only asking, Lord, for what you have already promised. We pray, Lord, that you would deepen us, deepen us in you, deepen our knowledge of your love. Let us be aware, Lord, every day of your attention on us, your presence with us, your spirit in us, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We pray all these things in the power and authority of your name, Jesus our Christ. Amen. Thanks, guys. Thanks for doing that. We might get a bit more noisy when we pray those prayers, just to see, we'll see what the Lord does. Um, but um, yeah, come, come back next week and we'll, we'll go after a few other things. I promise it'll be fun. <laughs> promise. Um, <laughs> um, guys, we, we will have prayer teams up here now. If prayer teams, if you guys can start making your way up to the front. Um, if you... If you have any need for prayer, guys, healing, uh, if you want to encounter God, if you want to hear his voice, come up to the front. Um, especially if, if you felt something tonight, if you felt like you grew up in a really religious atmosphere, if you were told a lot about Jesus, but you never met him, if, if, you, just, if you felt that some of the Holy Spirit was speaking to you, then come get prayer. All right? Join with your brothers and sisters and see what Jesus has to say to you. It'll be good. All right, guys, God bless you. Have an incredible week. See you next week.